today we are extremely grateful and lucky to have uh, Mr. Uh, Jeevan Ballav Panda. Uh, Jeevan sir is a partner in dispute resolution and employment uh, labor benefits uh, practice in Khetan and Co. He has over 12 years of experience on commercial and civil dispute resolution. Uh, and today's theme of the interview is combined power of youth and skills for uh, dispute resolution. And uh, thank you so much for joining, sir. We're extremely grateful to have you. Thank you, Shreyas, and thank you, YCM, for having me. It is, it is indeed my pleasure and privilege to be to participate and contribute uh, to a great initiative. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, so, sir, I would firstly like to uh, ask you uh, or and begin the interview by asking you that whether you have uh, whether there is one experience or any sort of big learning that you have had in your dispute resolution practice that you would like to uh, share with us. Thank you, Shreyas, for the question. In fact, uh, in fact, uh, I would say that there has been a significant change uh, in the manner in which uh, we perceive disputes lawyers uh, since the time I started my career and how we see and perceive it today. So the role of a uh, disputes lawyer has always been that of a friend, philosopher and guide to a client. But uh, it has become all the more significant in view of the fact that uh, there is a lot of hand-holding that takes place right from the pre-litigation, uh, the strategy level and uh, till the final outcome of the proceeding, whether it's the execution or an amicable settlement by which the matter is brought to its logical conclusion. So therefore, uh, one significant thing uh, which I have learned over the years is that uh, you have to be flexible and uh, cannot be rigid. So you have to be flexible both in terms of strategy, uh, in terms of your advice to client, as also the approach uh, in particular to the matter in hand. So it entirely depends on uh, the risk appetite of the client. Secondly, the, uh, the merits of the matter. And uh, third is uh, the approach of a client in many a times they are keen on uh, a compromise or a settlement, amicable settlement uh, by making a cost benefit analysis. But we also handle clients who are very aggressive in terms of uh, the disputes and they are very keen on pursuing a dispute rather than having any form of discussion for an amicable settlement. So therefore, it, uh, the, this is something which I have learned over the years that one has to be very flexible uh, in terms of approach, strategy and the, uh, the dispute itself. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, sir. And sir, and I think uh, I think that uh, what you have said I think leads to another interesting uh, follow-up question also that we have is that, sir, as as a uh, successful uh, dispute uh, resolution lawyer, uh, how do you deal with these clients who uh, who are kind of conditioned in this extremely adversarial way of dispute resolution, and they don't want to opt for a win-win solution, but they just want to fight it out either in the court or opt for litigation. So uh, how do you uh, deal with clients like these and even the counsel of the other side to come up with an amicable win-win uh, solution? Uh, in fact, uh, to answer your question, I would again uh, fall back on the first question that uh, the client is the king ultimately. So you can't, uh, you can facilitate, you can advise them with the best strategy forward, but at the same time you cannot impose upon them your uh, thoughts or your view, views in particular. Uh, if you do that and if you are insistent, then you might uh, risk the chance of losing the client as well because there is enough and more competition in the market. 
so keeping that in the back of your mind uh one has to be very pragmatic uh, in the approach and uh, give a very result oriented solution and pros and cons be highlight uh, be highlighted uh, if i may use the word swot analysis uh, which we often use uh, uh, from uh, management terminology so uh, the strength weaknesses threats and the opportunities uh, are to be highlighted to the side and then uh, you leave uh, the decision making to the management and the best uh, decision of the management of the company or the particular client that you are dealing with so uh, if a client is very adamant and very aggressive about it you cannot be insistent upon going for an amicable resolution because it gives a very wrong message and uh, wrong signal to the client and uh, they may think that you are a defensive lawyer and uh, that may be counterproductive both in terms of uh, your interest the firm with whom you are working in case you are associated with the firm and uh, also from the perspective of the client because ultimately the legal team would be accountable to the senior management of the company uh, and they would uh, get an impression that you are not confident enough so there has to be a good balance of uh, the pragmatic uh, approach as also uh, the legal uh, and the strength and uh, strength and weaknesses be assessed appropriately so that is how we approach and depending on the uh, final decision of the client of course you can work out the strategy as to going aggressive going defensive or uh, being preemptive about things about in some cases if i may give an example uh, like filing a caveat it it's all often perceived as a as a double edged sword because you have to except for the supreme court you have to mandatorily serve a copy of the caveat of the counterparty so if the other party is keen on an amicable settlement it may irk the other side and they may take it on their uh, if i may use the word commercial ego and they may it may become very counterproductive and any chance of an amicable settlement will be ruled out so one has to decide accordingly depending on the situation depending on your opponent who is representing them so multiple factors like uh, any other strategy yes sir thank you sir sir so uh, you also mentioned something about uh, this commercial ego and so yet YCM usually focus on interpersonal uh, disputes and conflicts that happen between uh, people, and there's a lot of emotions involved in that. And people sometimes tend to be more irrational and just, you know, don't opt for a win-win solution. So, so that brings on to my next question: is whether I, to what extent is an interpersonal dispute among maybe two people different from commercial disputes? Are are people more rational and logical? uh in in a commercial dispute or what is it is it similar and how how different are these disputes in fact uh, it's a very relevant and interesting question when you are talking from a dispute lawyer standpoint the reason why i say that is that uh, the term which i used commercial ego is something which is also present amongst uh, commercials uh, so commercial entities or uh, like entities who are like to make multinationals uh if they are uh, in in a dispute situation or in a conflict situation they may have commercial issues of their own so it is not that uh, there is uh, this human touch is only uh, applicable in case of interpersonal disputes in many a times we have seen that uh, the stature of the company and the reputation is something which is uh, which is uh, the which is the subject matter of consideration many a times more than the commercial stakes involved in the matter similarly if you are talking about an interpersonal uh, relationship we are talking about a divorce matter for example if i give a husband and wife most of the time 
the dispute, a contested divorce matter goes on uh, for the simple reason that uh, neither party is ready to compromise or uh, like take a step forward. And it is mostly because 90% of the time it is the egos which are playing in their minds and uh, they, which clouds their mind in such a way that prevents them from uh, going for a practical solution which may be uh, in most cases where it has irretrievably been broken down uh, a amicable consensual divorce which is also in the interest of both parties that they can move on and if there is a kid involved then obviously the interest of the kid, kid uh, can be factored in while taking that consensual divorce so this interpersonal relationship while the factor of emotion comes in uh, and ego uh, is, is much more significant but I would say that the, uh, even commercial entities, uh, they are not completely uh, uh, not giving a consideration to an ego or a uh, human touch, so so to say, for deciding whether to pursue or not to pursue a dispute. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, and sir, now I would like to uh, bring the interview to uh, something that, that is the highlight uh, of 2020, of course, is this uh, growth of uh, online dispute resolution. Uh, sir, so how uh, was your experience of suddenly shifting into online dispute resolution? Uh, and were you, uh, uh, what was the practice of online dispute, dispute resolution done before COVID? And sir, further, were there any problems that you've had uh, with dealing uh, with, with, with conducting online dispute resolutions? And how did you uh, curb those uh, problems? Yes, in fact, uh, it has been challenging times, unprecedented times, as people are calling it in the Maxwell event. Uh, so we are in unprecedented times, no doubt about that. And uh, litigation practice, uh, whether from an individual's perspective or from a dispute's lawyer in a law firm's perspective, it has it is no different. And it has impacted each and every sector, and the legal sector is no exception. So particularly, I would share my own personal experience that uh, the initial part of it was very difficult in the sense we were uh, mostly confined to advisory mandates and uh, with the courts not functioning and with the lockdowns and social distancing measures being in place, it was very difficult to adopt and adapt to technology. And uh, typically, if you see, uh, even in a law firm setup, you find that the corporate lawyers are much more uh, technologically uh, equipped with like softwares uh, to help them with the drafting and also for vetting agreements, uh, grammatical errors, etc. And uh, we as uh, disputes lawyer are always slow and uh, always the last to adopt technology. But uh, it has been indeed uh, a pleasant surprise in terms of how courts, as also we as disputes lawyers, have adopted and adapted technology and so quickly because uh, in normal times we would have never. Uh, uh, embraced this particular change and in fact we were pushed to the corner we, had, we were left with no option but to adopt and adapt it fast uh, and that, that, that was a great uh, significant change the positives uh, I, if I may highlight is that uh, of course it has made us more efficient and uh, the travel time or for that matter waiting in courts that is more productively utilized by uh, sitting and researching or working on another matter Secondly, from a client's perspective, uh, significant savings on uh, cost and expenses because if, if I were to travel to a matter in Bombay, for example, then that uh, cost of travel, accommodation, etc., those expenses have been saved sitting here. I can attend a matter in the Delhi High Court in 
the Supreme Court, some tribunal and also in the Madras. So that's the major advantage. Uh, so uh, that is the positive, but at the same time, uh, the negative, if I may say, uh, not a negative, but obviously it's a challenging situation when we are talking about dispensation of justice uh, at the grassroots level. We know the courts are overburdened, but uh, this adoption and adaption to technology has primarily been confined to uh, the constitutional courts and uh, the, the Supreme Court, the major high courts and some of the uh, tribunals at the national level. Uh, at the lower court, except for the tier one cities or the metros, it's hard to find uh, whether they have been able to or even if adopted, whether it has been effectively utilized for uh, reduction in the burden of courts. So that is something uh, the percolating to the grassroots level is difficult uh, with, the, with the kind of people, uh, the kind of litigation, litigants that we deal with. And even for that matter, there were some reports uh, in few months back with the Bar Council coming up with reports that even 90% of the judges are not equipped uh, and the lawyers are not equipped. So uh, we are talking about litigants from villages who don't even use mobile phones today, forget about smartphones. So keeping all these things in mind, so it has been a mixed uh, um, thing. And uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, from, a, from a metro or a tier one city, of course, it has been uh, a uh, great initiative and we were left with no option. And uh, But at the grassroots level, still I would say that there is a long way to go. Yes, sir. sir and I also recently read that uh, the field of the lawyers are at most reluctant to to, to change and, and to technology, sir. And now that we know that it's just been uh, practiced in, in, in the Supreme Courts and, and, and top tier uh, courts, in lower courts that are also in, in, in of top tier cities, uh, and, and it was a sudden change that, that we were kind of compelled to because of the pandemic, sir. Uh, so do you think that uh, this practice of online dispute resolution in India Will, will still be followed post-COVID or do you think once things are back to normal uh, we will we'll go back to what we were and uh, forget about online dispute resolution altogether? In fact, a couple of days back there has been a development in the sense that the Delhi High Court has uh, increased the capacity of the courts uh, functioning physically. Uh, that is pursuant to a lot of representations and submissions made by lawyers community uh, to initiate uh, the physical functioning of courts. While there is another section which is opposing vehemently, but uh, there has been direction to in increase the capacity by 50%. So, having said that, uh, like I would not uh, mind having a hybrid system even after the, uh, the pandemic situation. If we have a hybrid system wherein we have uh, the low stake matters, or for that matter, those matters which does not involve so much of uh, the technical skills, if I must say, and uh, which can be decided merely on submissions and with limited number of uh, oral meetings. Uh, in those cases, like for example, electricity matters, uh, electricity disputes like pilferage of electricity, connection disputes, insurance claims, etc. Or for that matter, consumer matters, which may not require a witness action. So merely on the basis of uh, written pleadings and written submissions with very minimal uh, oral submissions can be decided. Those can, in my view, continue uh, with the ODR system. And uh, also the procedural uh, steps in respect of, uh, say, uh, an arbitration procedure, uh, the procedural hearings instead of having a physical hearing, those can always be 
held virtually. Uh, but of course, uh, there has to be a hybrid system is what, uh, in my view, the right way to go. But uh, considering the dependency on the physical functioning, and again, as I would say that uh, disputes lawyers are typically slow in adopting technology and they would not like to uh, move out of a court ecosystem. So, so, so that is something, that is the reason why we see so much of reluctance. And at the same time, uh, from an individual lawyer who is earning his or her bread and butter from day-to-day uh, -day appearances which have been significantly impacted. So from their perspective, they are right that until and unless the physical functioning resumes, uh, it's a uh, major, uh, major impact on their commercial, uh, uh, like in their earnings or for that their day-to-day uh, -day living expenses. So therefore, uh, the reluctance to continue with the virtual function. So in my view, a hybrid functioning uh, is the way to go. Of course, it's a great initiative, ODR, and it's the way to go for, as I said, those kind of disputes which can be handled even without a physical uh, sir, I'd also like to ask uh, uh, you about, uh, so you mentioned that uh, in the Supreme Courts and, and in, in certain tribunals there is an online dispute resolution system going on. Uh, so if you would have to uh, talk about the effectiveness of uh, the online dispute resolution being conducted there, how, how has uh, that been uh, going? Is it working well? Uh, and what, what should be done? These, uh, these systems in the courts. See, all these courts have adopted uh, reputed uh, like companies which are providing the platform or the technology. So, uh, to that extent, there are no issues. Of course, uh, like there have been issues like uh, some basic decency. Initially, we saw a lot of news reports about people not being in uniform, or for that matter, they had switched on the video and uh, like uh, carrying out. Uh, in their shorts, uh, they, they are sitting in shorts and the, the basic decorum of a court, those were uh, getting hampered. But uh, gradually, uh, slow and steadily, the, the lawyers also understood uh, how it's functioning and because it was a new thing for everyone. So it took some time, but yes, uh, it has done well. Uh, rather than not having any hearings at all, uh, they have done a great job in terms of uh, disposing of matters even during this pandemic. And in fact, there were uh, the figures and statistics of the number of matters uh, being disposed of by the Supreme Court itself, particularly when uh, some matters were being heard out. And during this uh, lockdown period and also during this entire pandemic situation, the number of matters which have been disposed of is quite significant. So which shows that uh, it's not impossible to uh, like dispose of matters or hear matters to virtual platform. So therefore, uh, it has worked very well, I would say, uh, but at the same time, uh, there are challenges to it. So for example, uh, if I may say uh, from, my, from our own team's personal experience, that the teamwork which we typically have in, a, in handling of a litigation, for example, if a senior is leading you and uh, you have the, in a physical court, you have the advantage of prompting a senior or passing on a slip of paper uh, if the senior has missed out on addressing a particular point. So that is something which is missing and that uh, that uh, body language reading of uh, the court, that is something which goes a long way as to how the, uh, the, the particular court is receptive or is not receptive to the submission. So accordingly on the feet you can make your own strategy. So that is something which was missing. But at the same time, the positive I would say that uh, you are not undermined 
if if a junior lawyer intends to is well read and well prepared wants to address a court uh you get addressed by your surname or your name by the by the judge because your name is appearing in the uh, in the on the screen so that is something in a physical court possibly would not have been possible the judge would address you as mr counsel or any other junior lawyer but uh, if you are well prepared then uh, you get that undivided attention of the judge so that is something from a uh, from a young lawyer's perspective i would say that that is a great thing being addressed by a judge and if you are well prepared so uh, the senior junior demarcation that is to a lot extent is diminished so which is a great thing uh and sir uh now i would like to uh, ask you about uh, mediation and sir i would like to ask you uh, as per your experience uh why is mediation not being used uh, to its potential uh, in in india uh the primary reason uh, i would like to refer to one of the recent uh, speeches given by our uh, honorable the chief justice of india justice bobde uh when he was speaking at one of the events recently few months back when he remarked that adr is always considered secondary to litigation in india so that is where it is uh the problem is that uh, we have always considered it, it is as a second tier uh for so far as dispute resolution is concerned it has never been considered as a primary mode of dispute settlement so that mindset has to change so that is where the problem lies and uh, adr is often often used to be considered uh, at least there has been a significant change when we are talking about arbitration but again arbitration uh, it's a uh, it's it's an adr form but at the same time it is still adversarial to a lot extent so having said that uh, we are making change and change for the good like uh, i'll give you an example the way arbitration was being perceived uh, when i started my career it was always uh, considered to be a high tea meeting at the client's expense uh, and after the court hours and they were reluctant to have arbitration hearings overlapping with court times but after the 2015 amendment in particular the perception about arbit- arbitration has changed it's hardly that you find any commercial contract without an arbitration clause and many a times uh, there are condition precedent of uh, negotiation and mediation or a conciliation uh, as a precondition to invocation of arbitration most of the arbitration clauses these days you will find so that shows the change in mindset and the approach in which uh, the litigants are pursuing adr as a better form of uh, dispute resolution mechanism as compared to litigation and uh, it took several years when we are talking about arbitration again taking that example if you talk about the 1940 act uh there was lot of judicial interference that was to a lot extent curbed in the 1996 act and since then we have only been making positive uh steps forward like the 2015 amendment brought in a lot of discipline in terms of timelines introducing timelines for disposal of arbitration that was uh in that according to me is one of the most significant changes to the arbitration law with that came a lot of discipline a lot of uh, sincerity both in the minds of uh, the arbitrators the litigants and also lawyers in how they perceive you have full day arbitration meetings even uh, fixed by the arbitrators even on court hearing court working days and they are not willing to give any accommodation even if a lawyer prays that i have matters in court the arbitrators are very uh, blunt and saying that uh, 
you will have to uh, attend the arbitration and or else you will have to pick and choose between the court matter or the arbitration you can't have both and we won't be fixing arbitration only after the court so that perception has changed so similarly if i may uh, draw the analogy from arbitration it took several years as i said in fact several decades for the perception to change that we have made some progress in any say uh, in today uh, in today in 2021 similarly mediation uh, it will take its own sweet time but at the same time again quoting justice uh, sikri when in one of his uh, judgments just before retirement he said that it's high time that we have an indian mediation act to bring in say, seriousness about how people perceive mediation uh, it's not that uh, there are no statutory provisions but uh, in my experience i have seen that court facilitated mediation or conciliation are given much more seriousness as compared to uh, like ad hoc mediation uh, directly being referred to by the parties they consider is it as a tick in the box before going into the mainstream dispute resolution whether in the form of arbitration or in the form of a litigation so that perception and mindset has to change is what my view is yes sir and sir so uh, uh, continuing our discussion in terms of how we uh, bring uh, a change in the mindset of of uh, of citizens in terms of mediation so do you think that uh, maybe the youth can bring a change in our country's dispute resolution culture where we're all conditioned to be extremely uh, adversarial and if 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 you think so if you think yes then how do you think uh, the youth uh, uh particularly uh, since india has the youngest uh, highest number of youngest uh, population in in the globe how, how do you think the youth can can slowly change this uh, understanding of dispute and move towards uh, more more like more use of mediation so like any other field whether it uh, you talk about politics or for that matter any uh, significant change that we are talking about the youth obviously has a significant role to play because those are the years the nascent years and the, the, the mindset the approach of the youth is what uh, derives how we are progressing as a nation or for that matter how we are taking a stand in respect of a particular uh, aspect so uh, the dispute situation is no different so uh, we see disputes right from our childhood level whether playing with uh, another child in the crash Uh, fighting for a toy, so uh, so it's it's as simple as that. Or for that matter, in our day-to-day day-to-day uh, living, uh, for example, uh, in a in a husband and wife, you are always negotiating. You you are doing uh, different forms of uh, area. You are negotiating with your wife. Uh, so uh, so that is something which uh, develops your uh, your skill set as a as to how you react to a particular dispute or a conflict situation. so therefore the role of youth uh, and how they perceive and how they uh, approach a particular conflict or a dispute situation is very important so uh, in case uh, we are able to uh, inculcate that culture of uh, bringing about an amicable resolution uh, and the dispute should be only as a last recourse and only in exceptional circumstances that will go a long way in changing the entire dynamics how we perceive the dispute ecosystem whether uh, uh, we talk about a, uh, a two parties fighting in a litigation aggressively or uh, being willing to embrace a some form of amicable resolution uh, with the intervention of a conciliator or a mediator or an arbitrator so uh, that will also help uh, in a long way 
uh, in the sense like we always talk about overburdened courts and uh, justice is being delayed and all that. So uh, if one person is willing to compromise and uh, if one makes a cost-benefit analysis of pursuing a litigation vis-a-vis uh, comparing it with an amicable resolution, the amicable resolution will always weigh higher in terms of the benefit uh, when you compare the cost as well. And uh, the time taken, the harassment, uh, so the list just goes on. So therefore, uh, the youth can play a significant role starting from the early days. Uh, the culture of uh, conflict resolution should be inculcated in our course curriculum, right, from school level, not even in law school, because it is something which is important not only as law students and lawyers, but also as uh, responsible citizens. So that is something which can be embedded in the different forms of uh, like the education system that we have, right from the school level. And then, of course, it will only get better with better training and uh, skills being given by competent and trained uh, mediators or uh, ADR uh, specialists. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, sir, so uh, like you mentioned that uh, we go through disputes uh, from our childhood uh, and at various stages and like, uh, so sir, so I, would, I would like to I would like to introduce a new question is that, uh, sir, what are your thoughts on the statement that dispute resolutions are life skills? Uh, are there uh, any experiences from your life in either professional or personal that you'd like to share on how these uh, various dispute resolution skills uh, have benefited you? So, uh, as I said, I in the in answer to the previous question, so uh, it is something which is critical right from that it lays down the foundation, not with the intent of uh, being better informed and taking informed uh, making informed choices or decisions, but at the same time in dealing with real life situations. So that is something which is very critical. And if your mind is conditioned to think in a particular way and take rational and objective thinking. After all, we are often taught in law school that uh, law is nothing but strong common sense. So, uh, if, if, the, uh, if the conditioning and if the training of the mind happens in such a way and uh, in such a way that we are more inclined towards amicable resolution or bringing about objective solutions by uh, hearing people out, by taking into consideration the pros and cons of pursuing a conflict into a dispute situation, or resolving and nipping it in the bud right at the inception. So these are things which uh, these skills will help one to definitely make informed choice, make informed choices, and also take a rational decision and reasonable decision, whether in resolving one's own personal dispute situation or a conflict situation, or for that matter, when one person is facilitating a dispute uh, resolution between two individuals or two parties or two segments. So that is something which is very critical. So therefore, these are uh, life skills. And again, I would like to reiterate that this is not limited to a law student or a lawyer. Of course, as a disputes lawyer, uh, in, in so far as it, uh, how it has helped me is uh, definitely you, you get a new perspective. And as a disputes lawyer, you are supposed to be a jack of all trades and uh, like you get a better, uh, better vision uh, of how you perceive things around you. So uh, you, as a doctor or as, a, or as an engineer, without undermining any of the profession, what I would like to say is that you, have, you focus in a single-minded uh, single uh, way. For example, if a person is a software engineer, so, so the person thinks in a particular way. But as a lawyer, you also interact with different sections of the society. 
so that is a major plus point because you are dealing with an engineer you are having a doctor as a client you are having a uh, multinational ceo as your client uh, you uh, as, as a hni as a client uh, a, you are interacting with multiple people in the in the legal uh, team of a company so that gives you that exposure and the added advantage of interacting with different segments of the society so to that extent i would say that uh, as a lawyer uh, it gives you an edge and no wonder we see all our freedom fighters majority of them so that's uh, the live example where lawyers uh, major most of the politicians you find them uh, to be lawyers because they are uh, because they are in a better position to take an informed uh, decision whether it is for their own individual or for that matter or a state or a country or for that matter any platform so without undermining again i would say that without undermining any profession it as a disputes lawyer it always gives you an edge to view things in a better perspective and in a broader perspective which always helps sir and uh, one one question that i'd like to ask sir is that uh, now that you mentioned that there are certain lawyers who kind of uh, uh, you know depend uh, uh, like earn their daily wages by by going to the court and, and depend on court hearings Uh, and, and certain lawyers are also kind of, uh, as an ecosystem as a whole, are kind of conditioned in this adversarial mode. So, do you do you anticipate that there will be some sort of resistance from from the legal fraternity uh, towards uh, a mediation or or, or an arbitration, uh, not arbitration, maybe towards mediation in which litigation is kind of avoided? So, do you think there will be some resistance by such lawyers who practice in? more towards uh, a litigation and depend on court hearings so i'll just take my own example like when i started my career i practiced as a general litigation practitioner and the perception which i got about uh, arbitration was again as i said that it was it was secondary to litigation and it is only uh, for having high meetings uh, at the client's expense where there will be uh, out of 2 hours effective uh, hearing would take place for maybe 10 minutes so uh, that perception has significantly changed now as i said so uh, it is not that adr modes are non remunerative or for that matter it would uh, like take away the uh, share or the role of uh, lawyers but at the same time uh, that perception has to change and uh, uh, but in india the typically the approach has always been that unless you are pushed you would not adopt it. Like again, I will take the example of technology, adoption of virtual platforms for court hearings. Unless we were pushed because of the situation, we were not ready and willing to adopt it. Although, just for example, like uh, the Calcutta High Court, which also has a bench for the Andaman and Nicobar Islands, uh, I realized during this lockdown that uh, the virtual platforms are available for hearing matters of Andaman and Nicobar in the Calcutta High Court uh, for last seven years. but this was never that was news to me so it is not that uh, we do not have the technology or we do not have the means but only thing is that we are not willing to adopt that technology so that is the difficulty so now coming back to your question uh, as regards uh, the lawyers facing difficulty i think that the role of a dispute lawyer continues to be significant and irrespective of whether we are talking about mediation or conciliation of course uh, uh, the approach may vary from uh, a lawyer to lawyer some lawyer may be pushing a client towards a litigation for their own uh, agenda or their own interests but at least personally i always think that uh, at the cost of revenue and uh, losing revenue and at the cost of uh, an early settlement uh, 
but at the same time i would say that amicable resolution is the best form of dispute resolution i've said this in a few other webinars also and uh, it may sound controversial coming from a disputes lawyer but at the same time that's the harsh reality amicable resolution there is absolutely no substitute when you make a cost benefit analysis uh, to any other form of dispute resolution and even if we are comparing it with uh, mediation or arbitration uh, now coming back to mediation unless we are forced upon we won't adopt it so so uh, therefore justice sikri rightly said that it is high time that we have a indian mediation act because unless you codify and you statutorily or through judicial intervention you mandate things people will be will be slow in adopting it the same happened with arbitration unless we had uh, the the strictness uh, which were embedded into the system by judicial pronouncements the, the lawyers or for that matter the litigants will always be slow so we have made some progress like uh, i'll give you the example of the companies act introducing in 2013 various provisions where mediation uh, can be referred to by the ncnt the consumer protection act recently uh, we have seen that the commercial courts act particularly section 12a which mandates that in a commercial disputes mandatory mediation before you pursue uh, a litigation of course there are loopholes even the provision to section 12a gives you uh, uh, an opportunity to file an urgency application and bypass the mediation process but at least we have made some progress and these codification will only go a long way with the court coming into the rescue and passing some really uh, proactive judgments to promote different forms of uh, adr particularly mediation and sir i would also like to ask you about uh, i think uh, there is one uh, i think it's section 89 in in civil procedure code also mentions that uh, the the court after the issues are framed may uh, adopt uh, may ask the parties to opt for mediation or arbitration uh, so how effective is uh, section 89 uh, to do uh, and when the courts uh, actually ask the parties to go uh, to mediation at at that point of the trial in which the issues are already framed do they usually come up to an amicable settlement or usually it it, it fails because or due to the emotions and the heated dispute between the parties see uh, in my experience i have seen that uh, the court facilitated or court initiated uh, adrs are much more effective as compared to ad hoc as i said earlier also that uh, where there is a lot more seriousness between the parties because they know as a matter of fact that in the event they are not honoring the reference of disputes to the uh, for example a mediation center or to a independent mediator appointed by the court then they are they have to go back to the same court and uh, they may uh, the court may have a perception created in the mind of the judge uh, that uh, the matter is having uh, this merit or this party uh, this party's case is much more meritorious that applies to every case but at the same time uh, when a court has initiated the mediation or a conciliation there is uh, often we see that there is lot more seriousness and most of the cases we have seen that uh, those end up in a favorable outcome and uh, the disposal happens much faster so uh, in fact we have settled uh, like commercial disputes between two uh, two sets of uh, multinationals wherein they were in, uh, they were strongly into uh, like us dollars crazy about of us dollars was involved and we could conciliate and arrive at a uh, amicable settlement and the matter could be disposed of 
similarly another example i would give wherein uh, both parties there were firs lodged uh, although it was a, in my view uh, again a criminal color was given to a civil dispute and civil and commercial dispute only with a view to arm twist but in spite of that that ego uh, if i may again use the word commercial ego that never came in and ultimately when the matter was referred to a, a mediator uh, by the supreme court and, uh, so at different levels the parties fought uh, at different high courts and then ultimately when the matter went to supreme court uh, the supreme court referred the parties to mediation and with the intervention of the mediator a uh, multi billion uh, commercial dispute which also had its uh, initial stages seen firs against senior officials and senior management people in spite of that the matter could be amicably resolved without uh, going into arbitration so that way uh, with the court facilitated uh, adrs it's definitely working so therefore all the more reason if we have it modified in, in different forms it will only bring in uh, like more seriousness in the minds of the Yes, sir. So I think uh, maybe modifying it and institutionalizing it would also help in uh, gaining the trust of the people as well, yes, sir. Sir, and uh, I think our final question, sir. So as uh, most of our viewers are going to be uh, mostly going to be law, law school students and law students who are uh, looking forward to be a youth mediator or a dispute resolution lawyer. So what tips would you give uh, uh, to uh, law students who want to be uh mediators or dispute resolutions and how can success be achieved in in this uh field of law yes in fact very relevant uh, because uh these days at least uh, the fact that we are having this discussion that goes a long way to show that uh, it has the different forms of adr mechanisms particularly mediation has adopted significance over time but we when we were studying in law school or for that matter in school definitely this these questions were only confined to textbooks those were never discussed so uh, in the, in terms of uh, approaching a matter or a conflict situation or a dispute uh, it's no different i would rather again start off with where i uh, like with the, the answer to my very first question that one has to be very open minded and flexible one should not uh, confine uh, his or her own approach in a in a particular uh, in a cap Uh, cribbed or uh, confined manner so one has to be flexible be open minded uh, see what the client's objective is to achieve and uh, when we are talking about uh, conflict situation always try to look for an opportunity to amicably resolve even if it means compromising on such things for example if you are talking about a commercial dispute you have a claim amount of principal plus interest see if you can compromise on the interest component Uh, factors step into the shoes of the other party take an objective decision analyze the pros and cons of how much money you will be spending in pursuing the litigation how much time you will be spending how much of harassment it would cause so these are factors which you weigh uh, objectively and then take a uh, conscious decision as in terms of advising the client as to what is the best strategy for you in spite of that if the client is willing and uh, ready to pursue a litigation for other reasons Uh, whether to set a right precedent or for that matter uh, wants to keep the records in order and uh, wants to many a times they uh, talk about giving the right signals to the market as to how we uh, how we handle a dispute situation like for example again i'll give you an example of a trademark issue 
most of the time you would see that after you obtain an injunction order in an infringement or a passing off suit most of the matters get settled or are hotly contested so then uh, if you are in the defending side it would uh, entirely depend on how you assess like uh, if you are your mark or your label is uh, deceptively similar and uh, that is not not very difficult to find out and if your intent was genuinely to pass off the goodwill of the other uh, player then uh, you can always make a compromise in terms of uh, making minor changes or tweaking your uh, mark in such a way that it is not affecting the other party so these are but if other party takes it uh, that i don't want to compromise because it's a question of my reputation and it's a question of my ego then it just goes on and you fight it out and you uh, like end up in the supreme court uh, maybe uh, litigating for next 10 years by which time the registration certificate of your trademark itself is due for it so so it's about that so therefore one has to be flexible open minded and uh, ready and willing to amicably resolve and should not always look at commercial interest of your own because because again why i say that is that uh, the perception of a disputes lawyer has to be that of a trusted advisor because the trust that you build in uh, with the client that goes a long way you may lose out on a few uh, lakhs here and there in terms of revenue but at the same time the trust which you have been able to build up uh, with a particular client will ensure that in the long run in case of a dispute situation they will not go to anybody else and which is more valuable than any amount of money that you may have earned in a litigation so yes, uh, reputation is everything is uh, what i personally believe because in, in even in uh, from from our childhood days we were uh, taught that if uh, character is lost everything is lost so from a lawyer's perspective and particularly in the context of a disputes lawyer's perspective where you are interacting more with the society at large and uh, unlike a corporate lawyer where you are posting and fine to your uh, own clients and you are not interacting as much here you are confined you are interacting with the clients you are interacting with court uh, clerks you are inter- interacting with the seniors you are interacting with the judges so uh, there are multi dimensional approach you have to think so in those cases being a trusted advisor the reputation that you build over the years that is something which will count in the long run so uh, character is lost everything is lost is we were taught so that is something which uh, i personally follow and i think that that is something which is most important in building a relationship uh, of a life team definitely sir thank you thank you so much uh, these these tips are incredibly uh, uh, helpful and and our viewers are going to really enjoy and love this interview yes thank you for Thanks. having me and uh, it was again a pleasure and honor to see you